0: Oh, sorry,
1: did I get you?
0: (laughs) No, you didn't get me. It's an electric drill. You get me, you kill me. um, I'm not sure if the recording heard that my neighbors started drilling into this wall, and it was really distracting. I don't know if it got picked up or not.
2: Uncaged Wisdom, Tita Digital's podcast for modern marketing.
3: Hello, I'm Junie Brace-Davis, and on this special episode of Uncaged Wisdom, we take another look at the hot topic of personalisation. To do so, we are joined by Sam Bessie, Director of Enterprise Strategy and Architecture at Cheetah Digital, and soon to be English expat in Australia. Before he shipped off, let's hear what Sam has to say on the matter. Sam, thank you for joining us today. It's very nice to have you. Great, thank you for having me. If you could be in the Guinness book of world
2: records, what record do you attempt to break?
0: Oh, good question. Um
1: I imagine it'd be something down the lines of perhaps uh, one of those um, what's that that man versus food guy or something like that. Um, you know, perhaps perhaps looking at how many how many hot dogs, how many burgers I could I could do in an hour or something like
3: that. Let's well, think I'd have a decent shot at it. Sam, before we sort of talk about personalization today, I just wondered if you could give us a little bit, a bit of a flavor of your your past and career and some of the journeys and twists and turns you took to to getting here today, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the last nine years or so uh, have all focused around digital marketing for me. Um, I started off um, this part of my career at a company called Exact Target, um, who were acquired by Salesforce in, in the summer of 2013 um and then since then i've i've kind of held a few different roles in the digital marketing space um but most notably and most recently um, kind of working with real-time decisioning real-time interaction management solutions um first of all helping um my employer bring those to market um, in the EMEA region and working with some of our kind of most prominent customers um, while I was there. So I've kind of built up a you know a bit of a feel, a bit of understanding for that space, kind of what customers are looking for. Um, and ultimately, I think what kind of drives success um, for clients. And hopefully I can uh, share some of that today.
3: How did you go down that path? Was it just a, an
1: interest? Um, yeah, so I think for me, like the real aha moment. Aha! A couple of things actually that really stand out um one of them was was really um when you start to think about the fact that if you kind of approach this whole kind of real-time personalization um place from thinking about well actually the way that you think about your customers as a brand and the way you communicate is kind of flipped on its head it goes from being um you know what I would call inside out so thinking about okay I'm a marketer I'm going to put together a set of journeys and a set of segments and I'm going to kind of activate those things together and you know kind of uh engage with my customer base if you start thinking about it the other way around and think about it from like um what i call the outside in kind of approach where you're thinking about okay i need to listen to all these signals that my customer is giving me about their intent about what they're looking for about where they are in their journey um you know what they might be looking for next and use that to kind of drive a real-time experience it really changes the way you think about customer engagement so like a real example of that was i was i spent quite a lot of time working. Um, with a CPG brand, and actually, you know, whilst CPGs are absolutely looking to get, to get closer to their customers now, the real opportunity for them, and I'll talk more about this later on, is to go from um, just you know, kind of being, uh, you know, someone who's perhaps spinning up a direct to consumer business selling things, to actually being able to help consumers and take them on a journey. So you think about CPGs, consumer packaged goods companies that sell things like uh, coffee machines, coffee pods, or infant nutrition products. There's huge opportunity there to really think about not just selling to that customer, but helping them and taking them on a journey throughout that first year of baby's life or through, you know, getting you know, someone to purchase a machine and then sign up to a subscription of, you know, coffee pods or whatever it might be. And there's some really interesting nuances in how you can do that and how you can, you know, kind of understand the customer to take them on that journey at whatever point they are now and wherever it is you want to get them to. Um, yeah, and and secondly, how as an organization, you can kind of learn so much about how you uh, you know are kind of going to market, how you're you know taking your products forward, and you know, how you're kind of using all that data to drive a better customer experience.
2: So as you've worked with different vendors and you're working with some of these brands, you know what are you seeing um, for a definition for personalization that you're able to define for each of them?
1: Yeah, what, what I always say is that, you know, personalization itself is quite a nebulous concept. You know, it's very broad and, you know, it, it's, it can be quite confusing as well as a brand who is looking to build a personalization strategy, right? Um, I mean, if you just go and look at um, the research that's done by the likes of Gartner and Forrester Wave, there's about four different reports that they publish on a, on a kind of like a regular cadence um, you know, they have one called the uh, journey orchestration platforms um, report, They have a real-time interaction management, experience optimization, and the magic quadrant for personalization engines, right? So, you know, immediately you've got kind of four different takes on what it might, what personalization is there. But I think very simply, you can boil it down to, to there being, I guess, three different kinds. Um, and, you know, you have within that kind of action and management so you know kind of trying to move the customer along um or prompt a certain behavior like you know buy this thing sign up for this uh you know fill out this form to sign up for an account whatever it might be um recommendations or suggestions you know which is you know very much about you know the kind of like the netflix or the amazon approach you know where you're kind of positioning skews and products or movies or articles or something like that you're essentially trying to sell or recommend something to you know to help the customer and then there's orchestration, you know, which is essentially curating or managing an experience across channels as a result of customer behavior. Um, you know, so I think within that, first of all, it's important as a brand to really kind of break down and understand the market a little bit and think about what you as a brand are kind of uh, looking to achieve, you know, actually what, you know, what, what is the, I suppose, what is the experience we want to drive? Um, and then looking at perhaps how these you know these three different kinds of personalization tactics might play into that, and from there of course there's then a whole range of, of vendors that offer different kind of flavors and you know kind of mix and match these different capabilities together, um, you know. And I think all three are really important in actually building a kind of successful um, personalization strategy, um, you know. But I think for brands first of all it's important just
3: to understand that kind of makeup of the market and kind of what's there the three you listed there that's that's a nice clear free tactics so that people can get their heads around but then it is a mixture of those three would you say absolutely yeah so so
1: for example if you are um, a retailer that, that sells um uh, i guess we'll be calling it here in the uk fast fashion yeah um things like um recommendations and suggestions at a product level are probably going to be you know quite quite a, a big component of your personalization strategy along with kind of fast orchestration experience. However, if you're a bank or if you are someone or a retailer who um, who sells kind of very high value products that someone might buy once in a lifetime, like engagement rings and things like that, or, you know, very high end jewelry, then, you know, you're more likely to think about, you know, kind of friction and offer management as being that kind of key enabler within personalization. Right. Because uh, if you think about what you're trying to do, you're trying to move the customer along a journey, which might take them kind of on many touch points where they start on the web you know, have a chat with with a real person, end up in store for a, you know, a fitting, whatever it might be, um, you know, so that's gonna require a very different set of behaviors from your customer in order to drive the, the outcome that you're looking for as a business.
2: You kind of touched on a little bit earlier around the customer journey. So how should personalization kind of be incorporated into that across the funnel?
1: I think it's really important that, um, you know, personalization really sits across um your kind of all areas of that that kind of sales funnel. Um I think one thing that you you kind of see quite often um is that um organizations start thinking about this in I suppose like the middle of the funnel as as I would call it. So when someone has already been acquired. When you're looking to essentially, I suppose, sell up something, that's quite often where these kinds of things come in, and they can be quite tactical. Things like making, you know, a a recommendation of a product or showing a banner to try and get someone to, uh, you know, to kind of of make purchase, essentially. Um, I think one thing that brands need to um, really bear in mind, and where we, I've really seen success in my time doing this. Is that yes, that's absolutely important I and mean, it's a great place to start, but it's definitely not the only place to kind of look for this kind of thing. And really, you know, personalization is something that should sit across every single step of the customer's journey, right from that first acquisition point where perhaps they click on an ad or where they, you know, they land on your site from Google or they walk into a store or whatever it might be. And the really important thing is that, you know, here we're not just talking about funnel is in the online sales funnel this equally applies you know, in any channel that you might exist as a brand so right through from that kind of first point where you you know first uh, your customer first has contact with you as a brand right through you know kind of um, awareness and um, kind of education and onboarding and purchase and post-purchase and advocacy perhaps right through to you know things like renewal you know so perhaps five years down the line or something like that and obviously, this applies differently depending on the kind of industry and the kind of um, uh, you know kind of use case you have as a brand. Um, but I just think it's really important that this is applied at every single stage, and it's those brands that do that well that see success. And this kind of takes takes me on to something else as well, which I think is is really key, and that's to make sure that this is not just a function of marketing. You know, quite often it's something that starts in marketing or is owned by marketing. But in order to do this really well. It's really important that brands start to think about how you bring services, the service team into this, or the kind of in-store, um, you know, kind of brand owners into this, or the, the web team into this, or the advertising team, whatever it might be. It's really important to get this personalization as a project and as a concept happening at um, an organizational level and not at a departmental level.
3: I know we already sort of touched on this a little bit, but maybe we could just, uh, it's another good excuse for us to, to break down uh, your thoughts on it a, a further. But you mentioned, yeah, the outside-in approach, and you gave us a quick sort of description of that. And um, Maybe we could just take this time to dive a little bit deeper on that. When I say outside-in, what I'm referring to is really not basing
0: your customer engagement on you as a brand, You're kind of um, supposing what the customer's looking for and kind of, Putting, you know, putting them into journeys, putting them to segments, and then you know, deploying those kind of digital campaigns, but really listening to customer engagement and using that as the basis for everything you do. So, you know, essentially that's all about having um, the mechanism to be able to pick up on these on signals of intent and signals of um, kind of customer behaviour, and then use those to, um, in real time or near real time, deliver some kind of experience, whether that be back through the same channel or actually out through a different channel. And, you know, just to expand on that a little bit, it, for, for brands, it can often sound like something that is kind of quite, quite scary to embark on or something that is, um, you know, kind of quite difficult to achieve because it needs loads of data, loads of integrations, loads of you know, extensive work with, you know, with the IT team or an external consultant to put all these, um, uh, you know, these mechanisms in place to ingest this data, you know, but it doesn't have to be. There's a lot that you can do with, you know, with really not that much data. And I think a really important thing to say here uh, is that it's it's not just about listening to what the customer is doing and it being you know, observing their behaviour. That's definitely important, and it's definitely one of the I'd say one of the, the kind of keystones of a good um, kind of data strategy. Um, but it's also about knowing when to ask the customer a question as well, So when to intervene and say you know something like uh, you know perhaps pop up um, you know a question you know on a you know, on a web form. send them an email that's got something in it but what is really important here is doing it at the moment where you feel they've reached this this kind of point where they you know where you need to learn more about them to help them or you know where they are kind of they've reached a fork if you like a crossroads in their journey so I can give you a practical example of that. Let's suppose that you are like a bank or something like that, and uh, and you've got a website um, where customers are coming on and they're looking across a range of products like overdrafts, credit cards, and loans. So what you're seeing there, just from this random, this kind of customer just who you don't know, just coming on, starting a browse, is that they've got an intent and a need around borrowing, but you don't know what they're really looking for yet. And in fact, they might might not know either. So you might get two types of customer, one that goes straight down to um, the personal loan section and you know goes and fills out an application form, puts in exactly what they want, and there you go. You have one kind of engagement strategy for customers like that, they're very clear on what they want, they know they need a loan for uh, X amount, and you know, that's that. But then you get the kind who will kind of look across, as I said, overdraft loans, credit cards, they won't make a decision on any of those things, they might go away and go to a competitor, um, you know, they, they might they might not do anything, they might you know, reach out to um, you know, your, your, your service desk or something like that. Before they get to that point, or when they're at that point, there is, you know, the opportunity there for the brand to pick up on that
1: need, on the fact they are looking at products that are under that umbrella of um, borrowing, but they're not sure what to do, right? So as a, as, a, as a brand, you can then reach out and say, hey, you know, looks like you've got a borrowing need, can we help you with this? And that can be either through something that's put back out onto the webpage, you know, taking them through a you know step-by-step wizard to help them find the best thing for them. It could be through an email if you've got information, it could be through you know, a pop-up chat where they can then talk to um, a live agent. So really, you know, driving that kind of um, outside in approach to the way that you engage is the way that brands are really successful with this stuff. And in fact, um, you know, a, again, to, to kind of quote, um, you know, what, what comes out of some of the uh, kind of industry stats around this. Um, there's a stat by um, Gartner that talks about the fact that brands that do this kind of help me that actually recognize and listen and then do something to actually reach back out to their customers um, have a, um, a plus 16 percent um, change in commercial in what's called commercial benefit versus just trying to sell someone something or just putting a product up because they saw a product, you know, retargeting them, which has a minus 4% um, kind of uh, change from the same index. So the difference there being 20% between you know kind of recognizing and helping versus just recognizing and then just showing them what they've already seen.
2: So when we're talking about this piece around acquiring data and the customers, for brands that are just meeting customers for the first time, and they're trying to build up that preference that are the profiles, what are some types of questions that they should be asking
1: those customers? Yeah, that's a really good question. The best way of tackling something like this is to first of all, as a brand, think about what is the actual objective that we are um, you know, kind of moving towards with, with personalization? Like, what is the thing that we are trying to do? I mean, clearly, when you start a personalization strategy, you have to have a KPI or an, you know, or an objective or something that you can measure and see improvement on. So, you know, if if we kind of go back to our our banking example, it might be that, you know, you want more people to go fill in that first stage of a a finance application, or you want more people to, you know, sign up to some kind of, uh, you know, newsletter or some kind of process or something like that. So in that case, I think knowing that that's your objective, that really informs the kind of information that you should be asking for um, upfront. Like I said, I think... Uh, what's important is that you don't actually need that much to do this stuff well. So I think, uh, first of all, um, establishing customer identity is really important, particularly as we start to look in the direction we're going with this kind of uh, cookie-less world, the fact that Google, Apple, and the rest are putting more and more constraints on, on how we use cookies. I think, first of all, getting something that allows you to identify that individual is really important. Um, And then secondly, what I would say is more than the specific data points, it's probably more about the way that you actually um, present those things to the customer. Um, And by that, what I mean is kind of breaking it down into um, kind of smaller hurdles for them to kind of have to go over in order to kind of uh, get to where you want them to be. You know, quite often, if you go and start, um, you know, presenting or requiring large amounts of data upfront from customers, that's where you really start to lose people. And actually, just doing enough to get them to the next stage, and then moving them, you know, kind of forward again, sort of step one, two, three, four, um, is is usually the way, um, you know, the, the brands see success. So, if it's something like, uh, you know, giving, uh, you know, getting someone to that stage where they where they do fill out that application form or they do fill out that, um, you know, lead capture form, whatever it might be, um, you know, then it's just building a data asset that's just about big enough um, for that um, and nothing more. And really thinking about when you actually put that, you know, those asks in front of the customer. And like I said, crucially, how much of that ask you put in front of that customer at any one time.
3: Next section, really just want to perhaps even double down on looking after a brand marketer listening to this, trying to really work out what they're going to do next. To start off, you need to make sure that there is... A data layer, right? There is a customer identifier. There is something to build something on. We've also understood how we can potentially activate the data. The final bit is trying to work out what the goals of the brand. As a marketer, will they often have that data layer or they'll have information that could become that data layer? They just may lack the idea of making it a customer identifier, or you know, maybe it's that they have all that, they don't know how to action it or have the tools to action. How do they approach? practically doing this?
1: It's definitely something that I think um, is, is a struggle um, for a lot of brands. Um, and you know, I, I think the answer to that is that first of all, um, a lot of brands do have uh, a lot of data on their customers already. In fact, you know, far more than they do need to actually be able to um, do really good personalization. Um, what they actually often lack though, is the ability to actually pull that together in a cohesive way that um, facilitates good personalization. And part of the reason for that is, number one, it's disparate systems. And number two, those disparate systems have disparate owners across the business quite often. Um, and the first thing, and I think you kind of touched on it there really, is to kind of build this kind of foundational layer that allows you to actually activate um, you know, customer data. And for me, it kind of falls into two buckets. You kind of get the stuff that lives internally in the organization already that you really want to be able to leverage, right? And that will sit across all kinds of, systems, owned by all kinds of departments, Um, and there has to be some kind of effort. Uh, And again, this is, you know, we talked earlier on about how perhaps presentation is a project owned by marketing, but involves a whole business. This is an an example of exactly that, right? That kind of operational, uh, you know, kind of underpinning that allows teams to come together and actually get that kind of data that sits across those various assets into a single place where it can be used. And that forms, I suppose, what I would call like a slow-moving kind of data asset. You've got data from across your organization. It's things like perhaps stats on how many uh, you know, minutes a month someone's using of their phone contract or how much they've got in terms of points in their loyalty system or whatever it might be. And then on top of that, you've got another layer, which is, is more your, your kind of like hot data store, your customer, your faster moving data. And that's really something that, um, you know, again, like a, a specialist vendor
0: you know, can kind
1: of come to the market and will give you as part of the ability to be able to do that listening. So it's all about taking in insights from uh, what that customer is doing in channel and then using that to actually then drive an experience. And the real key is actually having those two things um, kind of come together to actually give you the ability to say, right, I know the customer is here and this is their intent because I can see right now they've just visited this page or they've just walked in store or swipe their loyalty card or whatever it is. And actually I know because of all the data inside the organization that this is um, where they, this is a... Uh, this is their historical spend. This is their historical points balance. And therefore, using those two things together, I can make a decision and put this thing in front of them because it's the best action for the customer. That's kind of what we built here with with EDP at Cheetah, the ability to actually start to bring these two kinds of data together and have that consolidated data asset at your disposal that then as a marketing marketing team, you can use to launch these personalized experiences.
3: Because we got that data in the right place, in the right environment, in the same house we love a house analogy on this podcast that's when it can then be actioned in that native system right um and that's where we can start thinking about the tactics you talked about the uh, the beginning of this session right the the, you know the three we discussed we've got the information then we can work out potentially which are the best tactics to use is that is that a good step next
1: i guess there's two things there really um you know tactics in terms of you know things like uh what are we actually going to do from um, a personation perspective what are the, uh, you know, the, the different experiences we want to drive? And that I guess can come through uh, either as um, journeys, you know, putting people into kind of relevant uh, engagement journeys based on their behavior, based on their intent, based on what they've done. It could also be about bringing things like experiences into it as well. So we talked earlier about the idea of asking people questions or um, kind of uh, uh, getting more information from them at the right moment. You know, that is something we can absolutely do using the Experiences platform, actually surface those and ensure that we're collecting just the right amount of data just at the right time. And then finally, actually um, putting content back out in channel. So in real time, delivering some kind of messaging, some kind of help, some kind of recommendation that is aligned to what that customer is doing now. But you're right, you know, once you've got that data in place, you then have the ability to start to execute on these tactics.
3: Do we need to put, the the thought around what we're trying to do at the front of those two pieces. Um, or actually, do we need to get our house in order to start off with before we ask the question? It's a bit chicken and egg, right? So I guess there's kind of two halves to it. So
1: absolutely. Um, you know, you touched on something really important there. And I think it's kind of two things, two threads that run in parallel. It's about having operational excellence, right? So we, we touched on this earlier on, you know, we're involving lots of partner business here. So organizations would do well to kind of form a steering committee or uh, you know a, a team that is not just there to deliver the project but is really there to think about this kind of holistically on an, on an ongoing basis you know, representatives from different parts of the business that represent you know service sales and marketing and so on but also people that represent things like content and the web as well because they're really important components when it comes to actually delivering an experience so having that kind of steering committee, and then really thinking, as, as you alluded to there, you know, about what is it we actually are trying to do? And for me, um, I always talk to customers about starting with what I call tall and skinny use cases. So by that, I mean having a use case which traverses lots of channels at once, which is the tallness of it, um, but you're only trying to hit on something um, that's kind of quite tangible and quite um, kind of well-defined, you know, which is, I guess, the skinny part to start with. So an example of, 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 of not doing that would be going, right, okay, we're gonna start putting um, personalization on the homepage and on um, all our product pages. But it's like, well, okay, that's fine. You might drive some incremental revenue because of that. You know, your you know the recommendations you put on the actions might drive people towards the kind of behaviors that, that you want, but number one, can you measure all those different um, things that you're moving the needle on? And number two, and really critically, how do you know what you're actually um, negatively impacting when you start doing that if you're not defining your use case really tightly to start with? So if you're trying to drive more people to sign up to the loyalty club through lots of next best actions and things like that all over the site, you need to actually make sure you understand what is the impact of doing that on um, average revenue plus uh, yeah average um, order value or average number of impressions per visit or something like that. Great, you've got someone to do the thing you wanted them to do, but actually what have I kind of negatively impacted by doing that? And by having these tall and skinny use cases and well-defining the outcome that you want, you start to be able to to really do that. Say, here's the KPI I wanna move the needle on. You know, here's the thing I want people to do. This is what I'm gonna measure as a result of that. And then because you've put up one use case, if you start to see um, you know, declines perhaps in, in other areas, you know, like actually it is having an impact on the number of people who are signing up for my email list or the number of um, impressions per, per visit or wherever it might be. It then is much easier to kind of measure that as as part of something that you've kind of compartmentalized as a use case rather than just applying personalization everywhere. And then just a note on the tallness as well, quite often I advise customers to start um, with channels that they own. And channels that are kind of easy to kind of work with, I suppose, which are typically things like uh, digital marketing, the web, um, and uh, ad, ad segments. <clears throat> so customers that you know look at things like, for example, putting next best actions into CRM for customer service, or you know look to doing it into ePOS systems and things like that. The problem with those channels is that quite often um, the the kind of technical end of it is not owned by the brand itself. Um, and, you know, quite often it's going to require some retraining of, you know, sales folk or, uh, you know, folk who work in the retail stores, whatever it might be. And they can actually be quite um, detrimental to customer experience as well at the end of the day, because suddenly you've got, you know, something new that the agent's got to do. You've increased full handling time. You You know, someone inadvertently said something that's freaked the customer out because there's always new data. So those kinds of channels have to be managed very carefully. So, yeah, I mean, my takeaway from that, my very long answer to your short question would be um, look at digital channels and look at a tall and skinny use case and very carefully define what you're trying to measure and what you may or may not be impacting as a result of the thing that you're doing.
2: So, Sam, it'd be great to hear just another quick example of the tall and skinny use case just for us to be able to understand it a little bit more from maybe the retail perspective.
1: One of the things we see a lot in retail, um, I think particularly at the moment, um, as we're kind of moving towards, um, you know, cookies becoming, um, having a less important role in the web and so on, is um, retailers wanting to uh, grab something about a customer, like have them create an account or, or give their email address or sign up for um, the loyalty club or something um, as soon as possible in that kind of customer journey. So you know, again, you, know, you, you as a brand may want to construct um, a use case around that as part of your personalization. So for example, someone coming to the, to the homepage, browsing some products and then getting to a certain kind of inflection point in that journey where you're like, right, now we're gonna, um, you know, we wanna talk about the, uh, the Lords Club now or the benefits of, you know, of, of signing up for emails or whatever it might be. So really kind of building um, a tactic around that might be where you're going from a personalization perspective um it might be the the thing that you kind of base your um, you know your personalization use case around but it's really important as doing part of that um you know to kind of measure the impact on things like um average order value or the impact on number of pages that uh, are actually browsed as part of the session either before or after um that kind of point that you have in the journey because what you might find as a brand is even though you're getting more of those email addresses and people are actually and signing up, you're, you're increasing your, your email database size, you're having a negative impact in terms of actually how many products are being looked at during a session, or you know, the average amount of time on site or something like that. And as a brand, you need to make sure um, that you're actually positively impacting, or at least not negatively impacting, both those metrics, right? So, you know, having both um, you know, perhaps multiple um strategies that you're gonna, or multiple tactics you're gonna apply to that overall goal and being really clear on what you're measuring is really important as part of actually building up that particular personalization use case.
3: Lots to consider for any marketer, brand marketer, or someone looking into personalization to get their head around. Certainly what you're trying to get at here is the fact that it shouldn't shouldn't be a daunting task, they should try and and move the needle a little bit.
1: So it's it's all about having like um, a single objective you're kind of moving towards as a business it's about uh, having a KPI or a set of KPIs you've defined up front um, in terms of what you're actually trying to move the needle on, and you know by kind of focusing the mind like that, it also allows you to think about things like what data you need to, to be collecting and um, you know what specific experience you need to be driving um, in quite a focused way
3: rather than taking this kind of scattergun approach. Sam, just to, to close out though. But I just wondered if you had uh, could elaborate on yeah some of your thoughts on the good and bad of personalization and perhaps yeah that piece around when a brand should be an advisor and how that helps move the, the dial versus when they actually should go for for the sell.
1: Yes, yeah, so so this is um, something that um, I talked about a lot to um, clients I was working with in areas like CPG and financial services in particular because obviously you have to be very sensitive of your customers' needs there and. Uh, you don't want to be doing the selling when actually, you know, they, they really just want some help and perhaps sometimes they're quite distressed in some ways. Um, so the first thing I'd say on that is that it all comes back to the thing that we've talked about all the way through, which is having um, a good uh, data strategy. So having your house in order around the data that you're collecting, uh, what data you have in your customers and also um, ensuring that you have um, the right degree of what I would call business context in your personalization solution. So understanding um, you know, what it means when a customer is at a certain point in your, on your site or in the experience they're having with your brand in the app or whatever it is. Um, you know, kind of understanding that and understanding what that means in the context of how that customer is behaving overall. So if we were to take, um, you know, a, a brand that was doing something like um, infant nutrition, for example, if someone is on the page about, um, you know, kind of uh, problems with their baby keeping the formula down or something for the first time, probably not a good moment to be going and trying to sell them more formula, um, you know, whether or not they've been a customer of yours in the past, right? Um, but maybe a good time to start to actually put some kind of experience in there that can lead them towards looking at um, you know articles that talk about different feeding techniques or articles that talk about um, different products that, that the brand offer that may be able to help with that, but not doing it in a <clears throat> kind of selling way, but doing it in a, you know, would you like some help with this kind of way. And I guess this is something top of mind for me at the moment, particularly uh, kind of going through this as a, as a parent. Um, But, you know, I I remember a very vivid, um, you know, kind of example of working on a brand, you know, in that kind of area that was having those kinds of challenges. And you can imagine this applies equally to things like financial services as well, you know, where we talked earlier about people looking for credit. I guess it's important to perhaps also understand, you know, why they're doing that. Pick up on those signals, understand whether you need to be selling them a credit card or whether you need to be, you know, kind of advising that they speak to someone on the team about their borrowing needs because obviously there could be some you know some distress behind that
3: is personalization heading in the right direction just generally where uh, technologies and brands are trying to go trying to move it towards helping an individual customer make the right decisions that are useful to them rather than trying to be everything to everyone or 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 get hyper personalized or too too on the nose do you think it's do you think the industry is 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 in a good place
1: I think so, yeah. I mean, um, I think we've kind of gone through this this stage where um, where we've kind of been um, I guess as as an industry and you know perhaps even as brands, kind of immature about it. and you know we've kind of moved on now to really start to think about how we use this this technology for good. And I think that realization that it's about you know, knowing when to help people and knowing when to kind of sell um, and using those two things together. Um, have, you know, have kind of really put a base under that in terms of, um, you know, this whole space moving in the right direction. And, you know, if, if you look at what um, you know, is offered by, you know, ourselves at Teach Digital and by the market, and you think about those those kind of three different uh, kinds of personalization solutions we talked about at the start. So, you know, management, recommendations and orchestration. Um, you know, kind of I think what's really important in that area is blending the three things together in order to come up with the strategy that works for you and and for your brand. So yeah, I would say it absolutely is moving in the right direction. And I think the thinking is much more mature and established in terms of helping us do that, both as vendors, but also for you know for, for brands who are buying this these solutions and this software and you know, these, you know, the services around it as well.
2: Uh, we always like to close out our show with a piece of unpaged wisdom. So, this can be related to your job, it can be related to professional, personal life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just really like to go back to something um, that I said earlier on, really. And, um, you know, that's just, you know, if, if you're a brand that's thinking about doing this or you're kind of embarking um, on this journey. For me, it's, you know, it's really important that brands don't just think about this as a function of marketing and they really start to think about this more at an organizational level. And nearly every single instance I've seen of a customer, do, of a brand doing these things well, and being successful, they've thought about it in that way. You know, it's getting out of that, that kind of silo and just thinking about you know the whole customer experience and the whole brand and how you know, this this becomes, um, you know, an effort that everyone is kind of um, giving input to and working towards.
3: All right. Well, thanks, Sam. That was great.
0: It's great. Thank you for having me.
2: Subscribe to Uncaged Wisdom for the latest and greatest in digital marketing insights and how they're solving problems with software and strategies.